Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We invite you to visit us at crossgate.org. It is our hope that you will hear from God and draw closer to Him through this service. Friends, I would ask you to find in your copy of God's Word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, as we uh, get into our teaching time this morning, wrapping up our teaching series, We Believe, talking about the basics of the Christian faith. This is the last message, and therefore we're going to talk about what's called the last things. Uh, Theologians sometimes use the fancy word eschatology, uh, basically uh, based on the original word eschatos, the, the last, the end. Uh, we're going to talk today about the return of Jesus Christ, heaven, hell, and the destiny of every human soul. Uh, so let me establish a couple things first, just so we're all on the same page. And I hope this gets a big hearty amen. Jesus Christ will return. Amen. Jesus Christ will return. I hope you have a handout there. You can fill in the blank or uh, you can find one of our digital notes as well and take notes that way. Jesus Christ will return. That's a message that's throughout the New Testament. I could give you dozens and dozens of scriptures, but I'll just give you four briefly. Here's the first. Titus chapter 2, we shared this one a few weeks ago. Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and exercise self-control. Be upright and live godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. That's what they called the return of Jesus in the New Testament. The blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's another scripture for you, very important, John 14. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Let me give you a third. Jesus Christ will return, Acts chapter 1. When the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Great passage. And then here's one other scripture. Philippians chapter 3, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. I say once again, Jesus Christ will return. But here's something else we need to realize. There's some variety in belief regarding the finer points about Jesus' return. Now, you know the paradigm we introduced, the theological paradigm that we hold very dear to our hearts at Crossgate Church. We shared this with you at the beginning of this series and throughout, and that is this, that we have unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, and charity in and all things. And most likely there are some divergent points of view in our congregation on some of the finer points, some of the secondary points about Jesus' return and last things. But I will tell you, we all agree that Jesus Christ will return. And we're going to talk about what that means for you and for me this morning. First Thessalonians 4 is our main passage today. Listen to this. 
We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, that, may not, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, meaning those who have died. That's a euphemism for dying. They, they've fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Are you encouraged by those words like I am? Well, let's talk about what they mean, and we're going to talk about them in terms of three questions. Three questions that are on the hearts of many men and women and boys and girls and have been for thousands of years, and we're going to discuss them this morning and ask this simple question, what does the Bible say? All right, here's the first question. First question is this, what happens if I die before Jesus returns? Jesus is coming again. We don't know when it's going to happen. Could be today, could be a thousand years from now. But what happens if you die and I die before Jesus comes again? Now, that's a very relevant question. Certainly the Thessalonians, the people to whom this letter was written, were asking that question because they were all about the return of Jesus Christ. They were pumped up to welcome Jesus in his triumphant return to the earth, and yet they noticed that some of their loved ones in Jesus were dying and passing away, falling asleep, to use the euphemism. And they're thinking, well, wait a minute. If they died and Jesus returns, what happens to them? Have they missed it? And so there's some very specific teaching here, but let me just also point this out. It certainly reminds us of the reality of death, doesn't it? I mean, that's, the reality of death is something that people have dealt with for, for, for years and years and years, ever since the very beginning, right? I mean, there's a new statistic out on death. One out of every one people dies. You know that, right? I mean, one out of every one people, life is terminal, as someone has said, or even as the Bible says, and I don't have this in the notes, but write this down, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for a man or woman once to die. And after this, the judgment. But what can we see in the Bible that specifically helps us to answer this question, what happens if I die before Jesus returns? Three words. The first word is assurance. Uh, if you've been around Crossgate very long, you know that I love to talk about assurance. You say, what is assurance, Pastor Phil? Assurance is the solid confidence that we know that we are saved in Jesus, personally, that we have been saved, and that we are going to heaven when we die. It's not a hope so, it's a think so, or a maybe so, it is a no so. Based on what the Bible says, 1 John chapter 5, look at this. God gave us eternal life, meaning he's writing this to Christians now, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's pretty simple. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That's what assurance is. All right, again, another one that I've shared with you many times, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. We know that if this earthly tent in which we dwell is destroyed, we have a home in heaven not made with human hands. We know that if this earthly tent, our bodies, this temporary dwelling that we have is destroyed, and it will be one day, sooner or later, your body will be destroyed. 
We nevertheless, our spirits have a home in heaven, not made with human hands. Nine trips to Iraq and Afghanistan, 48 months total overseas in combat. I saw a man's arms and legs blown off, shot by snipers and killed, blown up, burned beyond recognition, died in, in uh, vehicle, vehicle incidents, uh, aircraft crashes. I saw two Army Rangers die when their parachutes failed to open and they plummeted to their death. I'm telling you, one day you will die. And if it's not on a foreign battlefield, it might be on the streets of Hot Springs. It's a reality, the reality of death, and yet we see the Bible talk about assurance that we can know that not if, but when this earthly tent in which we dwell is destroyed, we have a home in heaven not made with human hands. There's an assurance there, but listen, there's also an existence there is an existence that we should all desire, right? That's the second word. In the heart of every true follower of Jesus Christ, there is a desire to be with the Lord in His presence. Outside of this body, outside of this earthly existence, a desire to be with the Lord. Do you have that desire? Listen to what the Bible says, Philippians chapter 1. This is Paul the Apostle, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that is as continuing on this earth, means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, meaning to die, and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Here's a man who wanted to be with the Lord. Here's another scripture, look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the whole chapter is a gold mine. You ought to read it sometime. We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. A desire for that existence with the Lord. And then one other. Look at this, Luke chapter 23. This is Jesus' promise. And the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. There's a desire on the heart of people who love Jesus to be with the Lord. Just this morning, kneeling in prayer in my home at the little couch where I pray in the mornings, or even in house of prayer this morning at 8.30. We, we spent time with the Lord. But I will tell you, as, as wonderful as that was, it was but a taste, just a taste of what it will be like to be with the Lord. I, in my own personal life, probably the closest I've ever come to being with the Lord in heaven was when my wife and I traveled to Asbury, Kentucky uh, earlier this year, and we, we participated for a few days in the Asbury Revival. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. I did not want to leave. It, it's, I can't say it more plainer than that. I simply did not want to. I wanted it to last forever. Praise God, one day it will. One day it will. There's an existence. That's what this 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about. And, of course, there's an appearance. When he appears, he will bring those who have already died with him. Isn't that one of the greatest blessings? To know that not only will we be with the Lord, but we will be with those who have gone on before us. That's what we see in the Scripture. I'm not making this up. This is what we see in the Scripture based on the truth. Now let's go back to the original question. 
The original question is this. What happens if I die before Jesus returns? Well, based on what we see in the Bible, I can tell you this. If you've trusted Christ, if you've gotten your salvation settled, if you've repented of your sin, turned from your sin, believe in Jesus, and are following him as a follower, not just simply a believer, but a follower of Jesus, upon the moment of your death, you will immediately be in the presence of God. Immediately. No delay. No, no, that's certainly what Paul expected. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, for you or anyone else, on the other hand, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, never had your sins forgiven based on what he did for us on the cross, the moment of your death, you'll be in hell before Caruth Hell knows you're dead. There's a separation, an eternal separation from God. If it wasn't so hellish, Jesus would not have died on the cross to save us from it. That's the first question. What happens if I die? What about you? Do you know for certain that you're saved? I mean, that's what the Lord said. Listen, we're, we're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning, the most tangible representation that Jesus left us about his death. But as Sean Utt said in his prayer, salvation is available, but it's not automatic. You know for certain if you died today, God forbid, but if you died today, do you know for certain that you'd be in God's presence in heaven? That's a big question, isn't it? What happens if I die before Jesus returns? Here's the second question. The second question is this. What happens if I'm alive when Jesus returns? Uh, invariably, some people will be alive if Jesus, as we say, tarries, delays his coming. Uh, beyond the lives of all of us in this room, then certainly we will be with the Lord, but eventually somebody somewhere will be alive. Could be us. What happens if we are alive when Jesus returns? Well, again, look back at the Scripture. He says this is a word from the Lord. It means you can take it to the bank. All right? So let's say Jesus returns this afternoon. Let's say Jesus is, is here before dinner time. What, what will happen to us well, just look at the Bible again. What does the Bible say? Three things, all right? First thing is this. Jesus will descend with a shout and the sound of a trumpet, and he will bring with him those who have gone on before. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, if they died in the Lord, they, they will come back with Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. That's the first thing that will happen. The second thing that will happen is all of those who, who are coming back with Jesus who have died, their bodies are in the grave or in the ocean or wherever they were buried. They're coming back, their spirits are coming back with Jesus, and their bodies will be resurrected and transformed. That's the second thing that will happen. And then the third thing that will happen is this. We who remain, again, if Jesus comes back before supper time, okay, we who are alive, who are in Christ, will likewise be transformed. That's what the Bible says. Let me give you some uh, additional scripture here. 1 Corinthians 15 elaborates on this i tell you this brothers and sisters flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable behold i tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep meaning not all of us are going to are going to die okay? because when jesus returns those people will never will never die physically as we understand physical death but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Same truth, different scripture, same truth. 
You say, Pastor Phil, can you elaborate a little bit on this in terms of when this is going to take place and, and exactly how it's going to happen? Well, this is where the finer points come in, right? And those of you who know a little bit about, again, we're talking this concept of eschatology, know that there's several different perspectives here. Uh, there's several different perspectives throughout church history, but I would say the majority of people here are probably representing uh, one of two perspectives, whether you realize it or not. Okay, here's the two perspectives. Dispensational premillennial perspective or a historical premillennial perspective. So a dispensational premillennial perspective would read a passage like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and would say, this is a picture of when Jesus comes to take his church out of the world. It's kind of Jesus' second coming, but not really his second coming, oftentimes referred to as the secret rapture of the church. And the church is completely removed from world history, and world history continues to march on while the church is completely taken out and up in heaven with Jesus. And then at some determined time later, whether it's seven years or depending on the, the, the schematic of, of, of a person's perspective, that then Jesus comes back the, the real time, the, kind of it's the second time, but the second second time in a sense, and Jesus comes back again. Okay? That, that would be a dispensational premillennial perspective. We could spend hours and hours talking about both of these. Listen to Pastor Keith's podcast. We're going to unpack this more for you. Uh, the other perspective that would probably be represented pretty well in our group is called historic premillennial uh, pers uh, perspective or doctrine. Okay, a historic premillennial perspective basically says Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is coming back once and for all. There's not a coming and then another coming, but just Jesus is coming back. And then God, God wraps things up in his timeline as we see it in the Scripture. Uh, there's again th th these have been espoused over the years by Bible believing good solid Bible believing Christians clearly a secondary issue and there's tons of liberty at Crossgate Church regardless of where you find yourself the reason why this is called historic premillennial perspective is because this was actually the perspective of, of the earliest church after the days of the Apostles of the first three or four or five hundred years of church history and then church history actually went more into an amillennial perspective Listen to the podcast, we'll talk more about that. The dispensational perspective has been around for about 150 years, relatively recent in church history. You say, Pastor Phil, where are you at on this? I, I personally, again, secondary issues. This is not something that I'm debating anybody about. I tend to lean more to the historic premillennial perspective. But again, a secondary issue. The key point is Jesus Christ will return. Amen? All right, so here's the deal. The next question is this, what happens to all of us after Jesus returns? After Jesus returns, right, when Jesus comes back and we've all been transformed, what, what happens then? What happens then, Pastor? Well, again, we see that in verse 17 and 18 of this particular passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, okay? What happens to all of us? Well, at this point in time, we're talking about heaven. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about what the hymn writer John Newton described as by saying, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Of course, there's a lot of perspectives on heaven out there, isn't it? I, I can remember uh, the, uh, the great American theologian Hank Williams Jr. who said, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie... I don't want to go, all right? Well, Hank Williams Jr. may or may not make it. I don't know. But listen to this. Here, here's some perspectives that have been out there. Here's one. 
Uh, Anthony DeStefano, A Travel Guide to Heaven. Heaven is Disney World, Hawaii, Paris, Rome, and New York all rolled up into one. The ultimate playground created purely for our enjoyment. For you Disney fans, by the way, this guy also says that uh, Genie Plus doesn't cost anything in, in heaven, okay? Those of you who like to go to Disney. It, everything's free, evidently, in, in heaven when it's like Disney World. Okay, this is one guy's perspective. Here's Willie Nelson, another great theologian. Heaven is closed and hell's overcrowded, so I think I'll just stay where I am. So many people, well, it sure is lonely. Who even gives a... So that's Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, again, great American theologian. Stephen Hawking, the great uh, uh, scientist and atheist. I regard the human brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken-down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. That, that quote kind of reminds me of what Pastor Jess Moody said many years ago. He says, uh, atheists don't die, they just go to hell. But then they're not atheists anymore. They understand and believe that God truly is real. So, there's a lot of different perspectives on heaven, but what does the Bible say? Well, what does the Bible say? Let me give you a few thoughts. Okay, here's the first one. There's a difference between being with the Lord, which is what happens to any follower of Jesus when they die. They, they immediately go to the presence of Jesus. They are with the Lord. We've already seen that in multiple scriptures. There's a difference between being with the Lord when you die and God's ultimate plan for a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, let me give you some scripture. Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We're talking about a physical reality and existence for all who have ever followed Jesus, the book of Revelation calls these people those who have, whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. And of course, we get all kinds of questions. Will there be golf in heaven? That's the age-old question. Will there be golf in heaven, Pastor? Well, anything's possible. It's at least within the realm of possibility. Right? Uh, I think it was Randy Alcorn who said he has every reason to, to strongly believe there's going to be coffee in heaven. And all you coffee drinkers said, hey, amen, right? And you can drink it full strength and you won't have to stay up all night, okay? We don't know. The fact is, we just, we don't know. But I will tell you this, heaven is not about our enjoyment primarily. It's about the glory of God. It's about the glory of God. Here's something else, okay? Here's another one. Worshiping and enjoying the presence of God is a huge part of God's new heaven and new earth. Let me give you some scripture. Look at this. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 8, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Man, doesn't that sound cool? You're going to get a crown. And you're thinking, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to have my crown. I'm going to be walking around heaven. Got my, got my royal, royal fit, my royal drip. I still don't know the difference between fit and drip. Pastor Josh needs to clarify that for me. But here's the thing. You receive that crown not for your enjoyment. Watch this, Revelation chapter 4. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. And his servants will worship around the throne of God. I can't wait going to be an incredible incredible thing whatever crown i might deserve and i don't think it's going to be that big or that great or that shiny but i'm going to take it off and cast it at the feet of jesus listen to what don carson said you talk about 
longing for the presence of God. Don Carson says this. This is my Ph.D. supervisor in Chicago. Heaven will surely be hell to those who do not enjoy and desire the blessing of the unshielded presence of God. People say, oh, yeah, I want to go to heaven. Oh, yeah, I want to go. You want the presence of God? Because that's what heaven is. You know, the challenge with a lot of people, I'd say most people in Garland County is this. They're not all that interested in heaven or hell. They just want to live in Garland County forever. You ever thought about that? Man, we got, it's so beautiful. And we got these beautiful lakes. Man, I just, I love spending time and, and hiking. And it's, oh, man, Garland County is just like, oh, it's so wonderful. I just, I just want to live here forever. Well, you don't have that option. We, we don't get that option. Because there's a finality of life on this earth. And worshiping God is where all roads lead for believers in Jesus Christ. Here's another one. Look at this one. There's no sin in God's new heaven and new earth. Revelation 21, 27. Look at this. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. No sin in heaven. One of the reasons I really want to go to heaven is because I'm tired of letting God down in sin and disobedience and faithlessness on my part, the flesh in me. There's no sin in heaven. That's, that's something we won't have to worry about. But here, here's the last thing. Let me, let me give you this last thing. There, there are no pain or tears in God's new heaven and new earth. There are no pain or tears in God's new heaven and new earth. Uh, Sean mentioned this, kind of alluded to this. My wife's mother, my mother-in-law, is uh, not long for this world. When we were down in Florida this week for Thanksgiving, uh, she took a significant turn for the worse, and uh, Shara and her brother and sister are with, with uh, their mom today and, and tomorrow and, and just spending as much time as they can with her. Uh, tears, sorrow, sadness. Uh, others in our church have lost loved ones in the last 24 hours, the last week or two. Uh, that's, that's part of life because we live in a world that is... That is engulfed in the fallout of, of sin and, and death. But the Bible says that's not going to be the case in heaven. Look, look in Revelation, last scripture, look at this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Praise God. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now, what I've shared with you this morning, friends, is the truth. We, we deal in the truth here at Crossgate Church. We, we don't just simply sprinkle sentiment upon people's lives. You know, you know the difference between sentiment and truth? Sentiment says, well... They're in a better place. Might not be. They might be in hell. Well, I'm sure they're smiling down on us. You don't know that. They may not even be in heaven. And honestly, when I get to heaven, the last thing I'm going to want to do is look down and, and see what's going on down on the earth. I'm going to be too fixated on Jesus Christ and his glory. See, sentiment. That's all the world has is sentiment. Oh, they're in a better place. Here's the truth. The truth is this. We know that if this earthly tent in which we dwell is destroyed, we have a home in heaven not made with human hands. That's the truth. I pray that you have the truth this morning, not just sentiment, because sentiment won't get you anywhere.
might make you feel good for a few minutes, but it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't bring about eternity in the hearts of, of men and women. We invite you to join us in person at our campus located at 3100 East Grand Avenue in Hot Springs, Arkansas. If we can pray for you, send us an email at prayer at crossgate.org. Thanks again for listening to our audio podcast.